right now we have United States Senator Kevin Kramer with us. Senator Kramer, good to have you back on News and Views. Great to be back with you, Joel. Thanks. Let's get it out of the way. Are you running for the Senate again? <laughs> well, there's a pretty good chance I will, as as you uh, teed up the, the Kelly Armstrong interview. Um, I, I chose not to run for governor, not not, not because um, for any other reason other than the Senate uh, honors old age, and so uh, I'm, I'm probably better off in the Senate. But I'll be making a, an official announcement fairly soon. But I don't want anybody to think that I'm, um, you know, think about other things right now. Well, it you know. You and I are the same age. I think you got me by a half a year or something like that. But we grew up in the same era. You know, yep. to you say it it welcomes old age. I think that's one of the problems <laughs> with the Senate. I don't I don't for consider sure. I don't consider you old yet. Maybe because we are the same age. <laughs> you you never will. Yeah, right, right. Uh, you know, but but when 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 do you start with a life outside of the public? Yeah. So it's a great question, Joel, because I've I've had a life inside the public like you have for a long time, but I but I do switch canoes fairly regularly. I don't I don't stay on the same one for a long time because I just think it's the kind of business where you're better off turning over a little bit. But at the same time, and particularly the Senate, um, seniority does matter much more so in the Senate than in the House, by the way. And I I'm kind of with you. I think that's unfortunate. I think that a lot of talent sometimes gets left behind and maybe discouraged when there's some member that's been around for 16, 18, 20 years who goes from one chairmanship to the other, to the other, to the other, and um, and younger, talented people don't get an opportunity. But, but clearly, uh, longevity is honored in the Senate. The, the nice thing is the Senate, by the way, people think senators stick around forever because a few do. Um, the average term of a senator is actually less than two full terms on average. So that means there's a lot of them that don't stick around that long. I actually think, um, for me, I always say if if I die in the Senate, it's because a bus hit me on Constitution Avenue. I, I just don't see this as the, the my last place. Um, and so... But I'm also just wrapping up my first term, so there's a good chance I'll probably do it again and, and, and try to advance uh, on my first six-year investment, and uh, and then we'll see where it takes me. Well, it, and this conversation wasn't going to be all about age. It, it wasn't, I promise. Right. But, uh, you I know, know I am with we, you. But we, we do have two, you know, people running against each other for president who, in, yeah. this, in this term, are going to be in their 80s. Yeah. And, and so it, it begs the question – is that too old? The question has come up about Joe Biden. There's been a lot of media lately about about the, the you know the the mistakes that Donald Trump has made. Whether or not that's affected by age, uh, certainly sure. those same things about Joe Biden. Should this country have an 80 year old president? Well, it's interesting. If, if given a binary choice, we're going to have an 80 year old president. And um, and that's up to primary voters to determine you know who the candidates are, and then it's up to the general election voters you know to make the decision. So we we all have it in our own hands in this wonderful self-governed nation of of ours. Collectively, it's up to us to make that determination. I I really Joel, I have to say I I don't base it so much on age as much as capability and age plays a role for sure uh, but mental capacity isn't just always about age either so I, I want to be fair I I think for example we have corporations some in North Dakota that have a 65 year old mandatory retirement I, I think that's silly too 
right? I, I just think, I know people who are in their prime at 65. I hope that I am. I'm 63, so I've got a couple of years before I get to my, what you know, I hope might be my prime. Um, so it's not just about the number of years either. It's it's about, uh, you know, mental health and, and physical health. A big part of this job, uh, these jobs are your ability to, you know, to get around as well. So well, it's all other, a factor, right? It's the other part of this job is doing something with it, getting something right. done with it. That's and, right. and, uh, I heard uh, some comments through uh, national media that you made that mm-hmm. uh, I liked. Uh, you know, we mm-hmm. we've sparred on a lot of things where we didn't agree. Sure. So let's let's get to one that I that I do agree with you on, which is you got a job, you're supposed to do something with it. We got a crisis at the border that everyone acknowledges is there, or at least everyone should acknowledge mm-hmm. is there. And the United States Senate, both sides of the aisle, have come what appears to be a, a, a an agreement that. Quite frankly, the Republicans have wanted for a long time, and, and us moderate Democrats have felt should happen for a long time. I guess my point is, why not? I mean, right. you, you said, look, we're here to do a job. Let's let's do that job. And yet the House Republicans are, are saying, no, it's dead on arrival. And so I've got to ask you, why not? Yeah, no, I'm, I agree. Why not? I think the why not that's happening right now gets to your point about well, it gets to this point, and this is where the House is so different than the Senate, Joel. I know, you, you know, I served those six years over there, and the founders created these two-year terms, which means the House is, that's why they call it the People's House. It's its more impulsive to the sort of the, the moment, and with two-year terms, they're always in election cycle. Now, for me, with a six-year term, as I said, you probably heard in the interview, I'm, you know, I'm in the sixth year of my six-year term. And I, I still feel like I'm in the first year. I don't think you stop doing important things because it might have a political ramification. And and so I think the House is thinking more politically. I think the Senate, as designed by the founders, is thinking more, you know, what's better for the country. Um, you throw in the into the mix that the former president, presumptive Republican nominee president for President Donald Trump, who, you know, I think see some political advantage to the crisis, if you will. And I just don't think that it's that we should reserve a crisis for a better political opportunity, you know, next year when the moment that we have is right now to, to at least make some incremental changes in the right direction that do no harm. And I just think if you're thinking about your base, whether it's the far left or the far right, you think, you know, you think politically, but if you're thinking about winning the election, then you have to think about those moderates, those swing voters in swing states, that are, that for whom the, the 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 border is a crisis and and it might be their one of their one, top one, two, or three issues, and they're looking at this moment and saying, "Gee, I hope you guys do something about it, other than you know hope that Donald Trump wins so he can fix it. He will fix it. He did it once before. He'll do it again, but." Eve, but, but on that have, we can debate. You know, but right. go ahead, yes. Well, except that, ex, except by ex, you know, experience, he didn't turn ten million people loose in the country uh, illegally. He, he put up barriers and stopped people and used tools. But at the same time, Joel, and I think this is really and, important. And the numbers me. went up from Barack Obama. But go ahead, yes. But I think it's but it's, I think it's important. A lot of this has to do with the poll factor, what attracts people. And of course, a, a big billboard saying, come on in, we'll give you money and, and uh, health care, and we'll give you a ride to your favorite sanctuary city. That's that's a pull. We, we can reverse that with good policies. We can reverse it with some mandates. But the one thing Donald Trump had that he won't have if he should win again is Title 42. And that was the most 
valuable tool he had to turn things around quickly, literally, because Title 42 was an authority based on the pandemic that allowed him to turn people away at the border. That is now gone. There's, we're not in a pandemic anymore. So what the bill, the legislation that, that the um, negotiators are working on, that they've agreed on, is, is um, sort of a, a permanent Title 42 type of uh, quick turnaround or expedited removal that every president will have all the time. To me, that's, a, that's kind of a game changer. And yeah, okay, they're going to apply it differently based on who the president is, but it is a tool that Donald Trump did not have before that he and every other president, including Joe Biden, would have as soon as this became a law. So that then it begs the question, okay, it's not as good as some people want. It's not everything. You may not like the current president may question whether he's going to enforce it to the same extent that another president would do. All of that's debatable. Might even you know, I might even agree with you. But again, um, I had somebody just the other last night said, please vote against this bill. We can't allow 5,000 people in a day. And, I'm, and I said back to them, but you're okay with 10,000? You, you know, I, I, just, I just think we've not lost only that, the ability but to. A number of your increment. colleagues on the Republican side pointed out it's not going to be 5,000. Right. And, and in not. fact, this bill, if there is a, a pathway, a way to make it zero, it's this bill. Do, it's you, this think, bill. do you think it's legitimate? For for House Republican members to say, look, we don't even know the details of this bill. Do you think that's fair for them to say? They don't know the details of the bill. They should say that they don't know the details of the bill, which is why the speaker shouldn't say it's dead on arrival, because he doesn't know the details of the bill. The few details we know are some of them I've just explained to you, including including raising the standard for credible fear for asylum itself. In other words, right away, the law changes to a much higher standard before you can even, for, for you to be able to, to claim asylum, uh, or at least to be able to get it. But building that infrastructure, Joel, and here's part of the problem. We are impatient people, and we want to see the results immediately. But building the infrastructure that allows the processing at the border of 5,000 people a day, which gets to that gets that ability to turn around 5,000 people per day, and then the mandate to close the border altogether if you get to 5,000 a day means zero. That, that means there's zero coming into the country and being released, not 5,000. Can, can I ask this question? It, it's a point that I've made anytime we end up in a discussion about the border, sure. which is why haven't we as a country taken a real hard look at why they packed everything they own in a backpack and started walking to here. I know that yeah. it's pretty easy to demonize, and, and I know that certainly some of these individuals are bad individuals, but the sure. vast majority of them are people looking for a better life for their families, and they shouldn't get to come here illegally. I want to be clear on that. But, but why haven't we looked at where they're coming from and tried to fix the reason they wanted to leave? Well, there was some effort to do that um, during the Trump administration, particularly at that time. Remember, most of the traffic, and probably still is most of the traffic, but the, almost all of it was coming from Central America. Now it's coming from over 100 different countries, which really points to the obvious fact that credible fear cannot be your excuse if you come from a country where if you moved across town, you would no longer have, you know, have a credible fear. So the country matters. And, and so some of that's been done, but we're also living in a, in a time... 
Joel, of, of some scarcity where people feel like we've invested way too much in other people's problems and not enough in our own problems. And I, w- I would agree with them for the most part. But what we haven't done a good job is of, in my view, and when I say we, I mean all of us collectively, and, and, and whether it's in politics or, or in media or whatever, and that is that when America retreats from any area, I, just last night I had dinner with parliamentarians, two of them from Kenya, one from Mongolia, uh, one from Lebanon, ironically, it's all part of the national prayer breakfast, one from Ukraine. But whenever we retreat, and, and I think of Africa in particular, China comes in and fills that void. And we somehow think we've saved some money by no longer investing in Africa. Then what we've done is empowered our largest economic uh, adversary, China, to to you know become predators in, in an area that we've vacated. So to your, I think your point is right. I just think it's a harder. It's getting harder and harder to make the case with a growing debt and with growing problems in our own country, which is why this border security piece became part of the larger negotiation for a supplemental national defense piece of legislation, because we needed to let our people know we are going to secure our own border first before we start investing in securing somebody else's, even though there is definitely an American interest in securing some other people's borders because the cost of, of war is much greater than the cost of de- you know, deterring a war. Uh, Senator, uh, today, and, and uh, your staff's going to get a little jumpy at me here because we're getting close to when <laughs> they want you gone, but today there's a number of hearings that are going on in the United States Senate about uh, – social media controlling itself uh, in in not letting children be bullied, be exploited, uh, Mm -hmm. not leading to more teenage suicide, uh, Mm -hmm. addictions. Is anything going to get done or is this going to be Zuckerberg just walking out in the hallway saying, yep, okay, glad they brought me in. Nice trip to D.C. Yeah, I don't know because it's, it's, as you know, um, legislation is, first of all, really hard to, to get at. But it's not impossible, and it's it's like any deterrence. Whether you're talking about the Houthis or the you know or, the, or Russia or the or China or whatever the case might be, or if you're talking about you know particular industries, if they don't believe that you will follow through with some sort of legislation, then they're not compelled to change their own behavior. Now, over the course of of the last couple of decades, there have been some some improvements in social media and in you know sort of monitoring itself a little bit whenever they thought that they were facing a significant threat. In the case that you're talking about today with the hearing, and here's what makes it credible. You've got, I think it's Richard Blumenthal, who I was just with, I just had breakfast with the chairman of the Joint Chiefs and three of my colleagues from the Armed Services Committee um, to talk about some pretty significant military issues, obviously, and there are some. But but the idea of social media, Rich, I think it's Richard Blumenthal, who's a very you know pretty pretty far left uh, Democrat, and Marsha Blackburn, who's a very far right Republican, have have um, put legislation together to to um, to sort of enforce some standards to begin with, which is what compels Zuckerberg and, and the other CEOs to even come to Washington and have this discussion. So I think they've got their attention, Joel. Um, it would be nice if they could clean up their own act voluntarily and, and uh, re- respond to the marketplace or even to some guilt. Um, they've done it before, not in big ways, but but fairly significant ways. I think that's more the hope here than, than us passing legislation is that we can compel them to clean up their own act, which, by the way, I support. I, as you know, we can squelch a lot of good innovation by over-regulating it, too. So we need to be a little bit careful. Senator, I want to ask this question right. 
and and I hope sure. you understand, you know, the the text messages and there's no sure. way I'm going to ask you the, this question by text the way it's coming at me. So I'm just going to sure. ask it this way. Sure. You know, tragedy came to a family and it also came to your family. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, it's not your fault. It's not your wife's fault. It's the fault of addiction and, and other things. How is your son? Is he okay? Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, you know what? He's he's in the safest place he can be. He's in jail. Um, you're, you're right. The, the the cause of it is lots of things: addiction, mental illness, but it's also you know individual decisions, bad decisions, and and we don't shirk any of that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, he's in the safest place he can be. We're all forever grateful to a a, a deputy sheriff who gave his own life to to save our sons, quite honestly, is, is the way I look at it. And um, it's uh, tragic and sad. Uh, it's There's no way to, to repay that. Um, but um, we're, we're glad he's alive and, and we hope for the best. But we're also um, realistic about what's happened, what's what's he's done. And, and like I said, he's in the safest place he can be. And we hope that he can get care while he's um, incarcerated for however long that might be. Senator, let's debate policy more often. Okay? Sure. I like it, Joel. I like it. Senator Kevin right, Kramer. We'll be back with more folks right after this.